In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with John J. Wall about using artificial intelligence to help grow your business. This is a Business of E-Commerce, episode 97. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow the e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Plesky, and I'm here today with John Wall. John speaks, writes, and practices at the intersection of marketing, sales, and technology. He is a partner and the head of business development for Trust Insights. He also produces the Marketing Over Coffee podcast with his co-host, Christopher S. Penn. I asked John on the show today to chat a bit about how you can use artificial intelligence to help grow your business. Hey, John, how are you doing today? Good, good. Awesome to have you on the show. I've, I've been personally a fan of the uh, Marketing Over Coffee podcast. How long have you guys do it for a long time? How long have you guys been doing it for? Yeah, yeah. It's been over uh, 12 years. Uh, wow approaching 600 episodes, you know, weekly. So yeah, it's just been a a blast. We've had fun with it. And uh, the community is just amazing. It's so great to, you know, be able to talk to marketing and tech people who know what you do, you know, know what your job is all about. And uh, yeah, we've had a blast with it. Yeah, it's very cool too. If you're into both marketing and tech, it definitely has that spin on it. Um, So it's it's not just straight like how to run Facebook ads. It's more kind of the higher level, right? Um, You guys talk about yeah. And what we're able to do, you know, there's so much going on with marketing and tech that so basically alternating weeks, it'll be me, me and Christopher Penn and we can talk about, you know, what's going on, what are the new tactics and what's changing, what to keep your eye on. And then I do mix it in there, too, with we have a lot of authors that uh, we're able to get in touch with and talk to. So, you know, we've had Seth Godin, David Norman Scott, Mitch Joel. Um, all kinds of folks on. And yeah, so I, I like to alternate between kind of tactical frontline that you can actually make money with today, but then we do back up and do, um, you know, more 50,000 foot interviews too, to kind of just know what's going on in the industry and keep your eye on the long, uh, long game. Yeah, I definitely a big fan of the podcast. So I think people should check that out. And then thank you. Yeah. With AI. So I feel like this topic comes around every couple of years. Um, and, you know, we talk about AI and then it's like, not really happening and then everyone kind of like it kind of falls off but it feels like it's starting to become a little more real now like it's really happening um and people are starting <laughs> right like because i feel like we talked about this like people have talked about this like 10 years ago and like AI is right around the corner and then it wasn't anymore but then it like happened again and each time i feel like we're getting closer so where are we now with ai and and like how are people actually using it with e-commerce today Right, right. Well, so you to back up a bit, I mean, you <laughs> make a great observation in that it comes and it goes. And unlike other tech, you know, like SEO and search engine and social media, you know, all those terms are made up when those things, when those markets were created. Artificial intelligence has been kicked around since I think it was 1956 was the first time that that was talked about. And so what it is, is artificial intelligence is just this bucket where we throw anything that's like two or three years out. You know, anything that we think is coming down the pipe gets thrown in and they just say, oh, that's artificial intelligence. But then, you know, two or three years pass and it finally comes around and now we call it search engine or we call it social media. You know, it kind of loses the AI thing. So um, we are at, um, well, you know, a lot of people argue, are we really there or not? But I mean, there's so much computational power available right now. It's unprecedented and it's finally crossing over that pretty much anybody can get access to it. And so having this much computational power in your hands um, is bringing us to a point where 
And to, to be more precise about it, it's machine learning is really what's become uh, is coming of age and people are be, you know, able to kind of get on board with. So the idea that you could take any data set, you know, say, um, you know, that your last three years worth of orders, you could have hundreds of thousands of orders and run a machine learning algorithm against that and find out what's in that data pile. You know, that's the kind of thing that you would have had to, you know, rent computer time somewhere and a data science scientist to do that for you. But now if you're willing to kind of dig in and get your hands really dirty, you can do those kinds of projects or you can have somebody do it for you and it's not insanely expensive. You know, you can, for a couple thousand dollars, you can start to use some machine learning to analyze your data. And um, yeah, that's where we are today. So it's um, it's moving a lot, but yeah, it's, it's just a lot of, uh, what I've been doing with with Trust Insights is, you know, you go in and you talk to people and they really have no idea what the heck they're buying if they're looking for artificial intelligence or machine learning. And so you have to kind of back up and figure out, okay, what are we trying to do? And then figure out which uh, forms of AI or machine learning or whatever will get you where you want to go. Yeah, I feel like we're finding out a place too where the data collection just kind of happens. Like it's always like orders, for example, you just have all that data. So if you have three years of order history, you just can collect pretty much unlimited data at this point. And then you can start making, um, you know, certain inferences from that data set, right? So you kind of are silently collecting in the background and then three years later, you can pull up and say, hey, what's the, you know, which orders did we make profit on? You know, how did our PL look for these orders? How are these different things? So you actually now can collect all that and bring all that data in one place, finally. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, and that's been pretty good for the past couple of years. The big sea change in the past two or three years is now having that data and being able to get other data sources too. So it's like you've got your whole e-commerce solution and now you can grab huge data sets from your social media accounts or from publicly available data sources on um, you know, what's happening with shipping containers or, you know, things like that that can give you ideas on long-term trends. Um, and then closing the gap too of, okay, so you've got your e-commerce, but are you getting everything from a single customer? If it's on mobile, if it's on desktop, if it's on brick and mortar, even if you have that. So yeah, it's the single systems are in a great shape where you do pretty much by default have everything. And now we're at this point too, where you can get other data sources and all you need, you know, if you kind of get those integrated and strung together, you have more data than you know you ever had before. Yeah. What is some examples of like custom, you know, not customer names per se, but just kind of things you've done with users that um, were are almost like surprising sort of thing of, wow, we can actually do this today. Um, some like concrete examples of how a, or I guess we're saying AI, but it's really um, machine learning and I know for the AI geeks out there, everyone gets kind of <laughs> a little defensive yeah, of those yeah. terms. So, yeah. What are some like concrete examples of when you use machine learning? Um, one example for us that is um, has had a decent return on it is looking at uh, you know everything in your content library and everything in your customer journey, looking at you know everything you've got out there, and then you know sending machine learning algorithms out to determine what are the critical checkpoints and when do they happen? So you can come back with a graph and say, okay, look, so in the average four month buying cycle for this product, we can see that in the first three months, these are the three things that everybody tends to hit. 
um, you know, as they cross this threshold here, these one or two marketing programs are the most effective. And then we see the indicators at the end of, you know, these are the ones that are already there when we close. And then you're also able to test, you know, okay, so you kind of know which ones are the checkpoints they always hit, uh, which ones are directly correlated to that too. So you can look at certain things and ultimately say, hey, look, if we drive more traffic to, you know, these two or three videos, we know that that will pay out with business over the next four months. Um, or we can look at all of our web pages that have product information and say, okay, so these three or four pages here are the most common. And we know that if somebody hits, you know, three or four out of those, that they're most likely to end up closing a deal. And from that, you can decide whether, you know, where to attack or defend. So for defense, you can see pages that, look, we're already ruling on search engine results for this. Like our pages come up at the top of the list. So let's every quarter make sure we're updating this content so it stays at the top of the list. You can defend those pages. And then you can also see the attack pattern too. You can say, okay, here's 10 or 20 pages that um, are very easy to score for. If we just do some content on these, we can be sure that we're going to you know, be number one, two, three in the results for these pages here just by with a limited lift. Um, and then knowing which pages to stay away from too. You know, you can see that, hey, if we, you know, we could spend four years going after these pages and we're never going to get on the first page of results for it. So it's just not worth fighting. Um, but this idea that you can look at your whole marketing campaign stack and figure out what's effective and what you need to spend more money on, that's the kind of thing that really um, can change the bottom line for a customer. Yeah, I feel like a lot of folks do this, but in a very like manual fashion, right? Where a lot of folks, you have your analytics and you can kind of pull out some reports and um, back into some numbers. And then you kind of have your order data, pull that out, try to back into some numbers. And everyone's kind of taking Excel data and making, you know, drawing their own conclusions from the Excel data, right? Basically dumping everything into Excel, drawing their conclusions and do, doing this, right? where do you actually hook in the machine learning part into like what does the machine learning do and how does it actually get the data and make that make those um decisions for you yeah sure so this, that's a it's a great point because you know, we joke about excel hell you know most people are just kind of trapped in this place where once a quarter or once a month, they're having to churn all these spreadsheets and feed a bunch of uh, pivot tables, you know, to to get to the bottom line and try and figure out what's going on. And so, um, when you switch to a machine learning model for this, it, it, you know, right now it's at a point where it pretty much does have to get built from scratch. And so you're usually most machine learning, you know, data scientists are using either Python to programmatically go out and grab from certain data sources, or they're using R as another statistical analysis tool. But really what you're doing is connecting everything and building a data, a single data source. So everything is feeding into this. And then you have the machine learning algorithms um, are running against that and delivering back to you a dashboard. You know, it, 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 when you test it and you originally set it up, you will just deliver back you know, CSV files and reports to see what's going on. But ultimately, you want to get to a point where it comes up in a dashboard so you can look at it every day. And, you know, the ultimate with that is if you get to a point where it's real time, you know, with every order that comes in, it's going into the data pile and the algorithms are being rerun. And again, because we have all this computational power, it you know, takes four or five minutes to rerun the algorithm every time. And so then you get to a point where you can see real time. And, 
you can take advantage of things when they happen. Okay, so if certain terms start spiking or falling, you can adjust your ad spend. Uh, you can say, okay, so here's the content we need to post today. You know, these three topics are suddenly hot, so we want to get content out there. Um, but yeah, it's still, you know, it's it's not like you just buy an attribution tool and see what's going on. You do have to kind of build the thing as a model, test it for a while, and continually tune it. Um, but it's, uh, you know, the, the results give you an exponential lift, you know, where as your competitors might be only once a quarter figuring out what works every day, you're optimizing and, you know, reallocating resources to get the most out of them. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, trying to, missing the name, but the Ray Dalio book, um, based on the hedge fund, um, I'll think of the name we can put in the show notes, but they basically talked about how they would use, um, they would pull in lots of data and then kind of build their own models internally and then keep feeding in the data essentially in real time. And then the model would just run in the background. So after they would come up with the model, but the machine would just pull the data and then return them the numbers. So they would know on Thursday, all of a sudden a little you know red light would flash on the dashboard and they needed to go do something at that point. And it could always just run in the background at that point. Yeah, exactly. It's prescriptive. You know, it's actually telling you what's going on. And so there, like we work with two levels of machine learning too. You know, there's um, guided learning where you're telling the algorithm, hey, we're looking for this, go find this stuff. And it turns through. Um, but the, at the other side of that, it's, um, you know, where you're, it's not guided learning. The, the system just grabs the whole entire data set and looks for clusters. You know, it's actually churning through the whole pile of data and it will bring back, you know, clusters that you never even realized um, were there. I'm trying to think of a good, oh, so we had a large church. We do, uh, randomly, we do work with a lot of large churches uh, because they, again, they just have these huge data sources. And what we found in certain ad markets was that people who are pet fans, dog or cat fans and hang out in dog or cat communities were like three times more likely to respond to campaigns. You know, for some reason, these were whether it was they had more empathy for other people or something. I, we hadn't even dug down to the bottom of it yet, but we did find out that, hey, if we add that as another select of this data source, you know, the results uh, double or triple. And so it, it's those kinds of things. And like you said, the, the real benefit is having it run real time because, um, you know, for our situation where it was, um, you know, church members, that really doesn't change. You know, people's personalities don't change too much over time. So if you learn that once a quarter, that would be fine. But let's say it's a financial market and, you know, one of your variables is the price of a commodity or oil or something like that. Then, yeah, you've got to know every day like where it's at because knowing, you know, two weeks later that you should have moved, uh, you know, last Thursday is of no use to you. You're not going to be able to leverage that and take advantage of it. Yeah, I feel like when this got popular years ago, everyone kind of had the, the thought of a big data set, but the data was always in silos, right? Where you had your analytics data, you had like, it was always like stuck wherever it was. But this is all of a sudden, it became possible now, right? Because you have these APIs and you can just suck data out of, you know, 100 different data sources, normalize it, and then work with it in one place. And I feel like that's what's kind of making this more like actually real now, um, is that normalization of the data. Yeah, you know, you've hit a huge point. That, I mean, you're right on the mark. It's, 
there is a lot of the you know the man behind the curtain thing uh, because yes you can string all this together but really for the majority of our customers uh, we will come in and talk about doing these you know either machine learning and predictive analysis too which is a huge part of of it of being able to look at a data set and say here's what to expect for the next six months or year to be able to look forward you know there's huge opportunity there but yeah pretty much everybody we go in with we find out like oh actually you know the data is not normalized you've got a data quality problem here and you still have a couple silos here and there that we need to pull from and there's still a ton of work that needs to be done so yeah the kind of the dirty little secret is if you go down this path make sure you budget to spend a ton of time getting the data clean and straight because that tends to be a real heavy lift. In your example though about, so there's the example where um, I kind of know the model. We, you know, hire a data scientist, bring in all the data and they basically codify my model. I already know to give me real time notifications of that model. Right. So I have already kind of figured out the problem and I just need to someone to kind of, build an algorithm to identify, um, Hey, when the price of oil moves, I should go do, I should go buy some Facebook ads, whatever that happens to be that the example you gave about pet owners, right. Doing better. How do you actually build a model that takes all the data and then just finds that like cluster in the data set and says, yeah, that's it right there. It's, <laughs> you know, like if you're pulling in like model about um, data about commodities, pets, like, SEO, like all this stuff, and how do you actually build the model to say, "Yep, it's dogs." That's the thing. That's the, that's the key. <laughs> right, right. Where does it come? You know, it's the, the first thing is cataloging cataloging all the available data sets. You know, so they have a ton of information already on all of their members. In that case, um, so you pull all of that. Um, then it's everything that's available via all the social networks. So you, hopefully you've got the data on which social networks they're in and you're able to pull all of that. Um, web analytics is huge. Being able to, um, even if it's not personally identif identifiable, but being able to get um, global demographics on who's visiting the website and when they come back and what they do and return visits is very um, valuable. And then... Uh, a lot of it is publicly available data sets that, and that's kind of, you know, why you would hire an outside data scientist because somebody who's done a project for five other churches has already done the legwork of trying to figure out what other data sources are available or which ones are best. Um, and so, yeah, it's just a matter of how many different data models, you know, how many different data sources can you get wired into your model and then running all the testing to see, you know, are they valid? Does it affect the results in any way? Um, but yeah, it's, you know, really it was a combination of internal data, external social data. Um, another thing that we do that's fairly unique too is, you know, a lot of people with social data, they dig into just followers or publishing volume, you know, how much stuff they're putting out and how much it's shared. But what we found is that it's really the next layer of engagement that's valuable. You know, it's not that a Kardashian put out 100 tweets today and they have you know, 20 million followers, you want to look at users when they put something out, it then gets commented on and retweeted and other users share it, you know, which stuff actually has influence, you know, we, everybody's talking about influencers on all these social channels, but who 
puts content out there that gets shared and gets passed around and commented on, those are the folks that you want to keep an eye on and keep track of. And they tend not to be the top decile of users. You know, they tend to be a few rungs down. And of course, they're a lot more cheaper to work with too, if you're going to do stuff with them. But um, yeah, by digging into that engagement data, you get a little bit different picture of how the information is really shared and, and what really matters. And so that's another um, kind of unique data set that can get you know folded into the mix and into the model. Mm, I like that. So let's say someone's listening and they're like, I like this idea, but I'm a little you know um, skeptical of will it work for me? Like, can they even can they apply it to their business? Um, and they kind of want to build a mini version of this on their own and try it and just see you know proof of concept does this work? How could someone go about doing some sort of small you know test? Just see something like this work on their own? Um, or can they? Is that even possible on a small scale? Yeah. You know, you really do have to kind of cross the line and, you know, figure out how to use a, a package like R or um, IBM has some data science tools. But yeah, it's a big jump. I mean, um, you, you either need to decide to do that. In fact, we really, we would suggest don't um, think of it as, just grabbing data sets and trying to churn through them and get learning out of that. But make sure that your, um, and start with your web analytics process is in order. You know, make sure that you've got goals set up for your web analytics. I mean, we, we have tons of customers that don't even have goals set up. And you not only want to have goals, but you want to attach dollar values to those goals. So you know that, you know, if it's a new name comes in and hits a video, well, you're at your cost per lead, that's probably worth anywhere from one to $400. And then of course, um, if you can't attribute a single, um, you know, if you're not just selling the same product all the time at the same price, at least get some kind of average. So you can say, okay, once that first sale is closed, you know, that customer is then worth 100, 400, $5,000 to us over the lifetime of, of that customer. And that's really the place to, to start getting the model together of, uh, let's look at, where they come in from, how long it takes to get to a sale, which checkpoints did they hit along the way, how much are they worth at the end. And that's what kind of gives you the first um, pile of data that you can dig into and get some real insights out of. And the one, uh, one that I always hit on is um, everybody focuses on getting the winners. You know, they think like, okay, these two th campaigns here are the ones that make all the money for us. But really the the benefit that most people see when they start out is after one or two years of gathering this data, you're going to find programs that, oh, wait, we've been doing this for two years and we've never had a lead from this or there's never been a deal out of this. And so you can cut that off and go test something else with those funds. And that's where the kind of the first wins show up. So, yeah, it, starting with data science is a is a heavy lift. And so we really encourage everybody to start with attribution, you know, which it, so in sales and marketing speak, it's attribution um, in machine learning and AI, you're talking about driver analysis. And that's easy to do on your own without having to get heavy into determining which algorithms you want to use. Okay, so that's something, is that something you could do in Excel sort of thing? Or do you actually need a real like data science tool for that? No, yeah, you can do that in, in Excel, you know, and in, in fact, I mean, that's kind of how I got my start with a lot of attribution stuff was, yeah, you've got salesforce.com, you dump all your campaign data to Excel, and then use some pivot tables to sort those and 
yeah, that'll give you at least a rough picture. Um, and so at first level with that in Excel and pivot tables, you can totally see all your marketing campaigns. Then you know, you can see the campaigns that are driving and the ones that are not doing anything. And then uh, another level you can lay on that is you can also do analysis of the deals and competitors. You know, as long as you're tracking your competitors in every deal, you can then go in and get some kind of neat insights as far as like, okay, every time we face off against this vendor here, we know we've got like a 60 or 70% chance of winning. And that can, and, and also the reverse too. You can realize that, oh, wait, you know, out of the 20 times we've gone up against these guys, we've lost every time. And that gives you some, something else to dig in, either figure out if you want to change your attack or just give up if somebody's using those because, you know, they're always cheaper than you and you guys know the product is junk. Maybe you stop chasing that trashy business. Hmm. So probably it sounds like the first step will be getting all the data out of some of these data sources into something, let's just say Excel for the, um, beginning process and then start building some sort of almost like a dashboard in Excel of saying, Hey, like when this and that, and this happens, let's show me up, let's show this and kind of just build your own models essentially of connecting all these different data sources and showing it in one place. Is that kind of first Yeah, step? that's def that's right where you want to be. In fact, and, um, you can do that as long as it scales. You know, the thing is, depending on how big your business gets, you'll get to a point where eventually you choke Excel and it can't handle the data any further. And you'll have to, you know, but by that point, if you're doing that much business, you'll be able to throw other resources at it. Um, yeah. And then it, it becomes a question of, you know, do you want to do your data science in house or do you want to get somebody to help you with it? Or is it just enough to get another tool that will get you close to where you want to be? But yeah, you know, the the big thing is to be able to, you know, at least on a quarterly basis, look at all the leads that have come in and where they come in and have an idea of, you know, how you're going to continue that, where you're going to spend the money to get more and look at all the the closed stuff and say, okay, you know, what's closing, what's working and how can we replicate the bright points to, uh, you know, continue growing. Got it. So now let's say someone started doing this and they're like, I actually found some, you know, found some things and, you know, there was a payback and I want to do more of it. Right. So now they want to kind of probably engage with a data scientist or someone like yourself, how do they, how would you even go about finding someone to help you with this? Like, what is, what are you even searching for? What's the title? Are you looking for a consultancy? A, are you looking to hire a person? Like who are these people and how do you even find them? And how, <laughs> yeah, do you, yeah. how do you know that good? Because that's the other thing. It's like this new term of like, I'm a data scientist. And you're like, oh, are you good at that? Like, I don't even know how to ask them. Are they good at their job? Like, like basically you have to ask, are you good? And they're like, yes, I'm good. And you're like, all right. Hi. So how do you right. actually ask that? And how do you know that? Yeah, no, that it's, you know, you can only look at past results. So definitely have people, you know, who have you worked with in our space or similar spaces, show us some sample reports of what this looks like. Um, and, and then, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. This is a total, this is, you know, when they talk about blue sky markets, like this is totally brand new. There's not a lot of established vendors that have proven that they can do this over time. So like I remember um, back in the day when everyone started doing SEO, right? It was like everyone just put their <laughs> shingle on and say, and I'm an SEO expert. And you're like, cool. Like, I don't, you know, and at the time, no one really knew what it meant. So you're just like, oh, they're an expert. They must be good. Like, I feel like we're at that point now where like you don't 
you don't even know how to tell if they're good. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, and then it's, you know, you've got the people that are doing cutting edge work. And then there's the second wave of people that are just kind of copying and using cheap tools yeah. that, you know, like you said, with SEO, there was that time where, you know, you might hire somebody and they would do something weird and shady, like create, you know, 2000 websites, you know, on a spammy server pointing to you. And, you know, your results go up for three weeks. And the next thing you know, you get, you know, blackballed by Google and you, yeah. you're not sure, you know, you lose all your business and like they've read in two months, they've read an ebook from like two years ago and they applied like a two year old tactic on, you know, today. And then all of a sudden, yeah, exactly. I remember those days. So how do you know you're not in that? <laughs> those are fun days. Um, and we've moved past that. And there were people like, um, like for SEO, like Amaz or someone like that, where you went and they were the experts that kind of had that, you know, they were kind of the ones you looked at it, like the gold standard and said, okay, whatever they're doing is probably the bleeding edge. Um, I remember back in the day, like Matt cuts, I'd follow his blog, his, uh, right. And like, those are people you kind of look to and said, like, they know what they're talking about. Everyone else is kind of just following those people. Um, so how do you, how do you know now who are the people that are on the cutting edge and who are the people just following those people? Yeah, it's, you know, that's a great question. I mean, really it's, you can look at original research. I mean, that's one thing we're always publishing every quarter original research on what we've done and where we're going. So there's, you know, a track record of what we've got going and, you know, old school references too. just talk to somebody that's, you know, don't just look at the logos on the page, like say, okay, who did you work with here? You know, can I talk to that person and just do a little bit of due diligence because really that's the, the only way to do it because yeah, it's, it's wild west, but it's a little bit different too. in that like for SEO, you know, it was very, um, you know, people were just kind of doing black box stuff and then the results would show up on the search engine results, which was also black box. So you kind of never knew at all what was going on. And with this, yes, you know, the data science stuff is still black box. But what you get out of it, you have full visibility into. You know, you're going to see everything that they tell you to do because of the model. And when you do that stuff, you know, you're going to see the results from it. So it, it, it's a lot less um, – there's no switching costs like with SEO. You know, with SEO, you kind of, once you pick a vendor, you got to stay there for like six months because it takes months for the changes to show up. Whereas that's not the case with this. Um, one thing that we've done at Trust Insights to, to kind of ease the pain of this is we have clear tiers of, okay, you can start with, you know, a report that costs 900 bucks to run where we just plug into your Google Analytics and we already have some algorithms built and we can just come back with a report for you saying, okay, based on your Google Analytics, here's what your customer journey looks like. You know, here's the campaigns that are working. Um, and so then you can literally at that point be like, oh, okay, this campaign seems to be working really well. Let's test this one and double down on it. And does that help us out? Um, you know, and then from there you could jump to a, uh, you know, if you found that works, well, then you could take that model and, you know, for 10x, you could build it for yourself and link it to your own data uh, connections and have the integrations built. So now you can flesh that out with more data. But so somebody that's got a clear path like that, where you don't have to just drop a hundred grand and pray that you have something to look at three months later, you know, work with somebody where you can, you know, just throw a few bucks to get started out of your discretionary experiment budget and, you know, see if that works, see if you work with them. That's, uh, you know, that's the best kind of advice we can give. And what will happen, you know, hopefully over time is you always have vendors where 
they've kind of built up built up so much cachet that they become premium price. You know, you just don't have access to certain vendors because they've proven themselves already a couple of times, and now everybody wants to work with them. Um, but yeah, it, you can always kind of dig around and find somebody who at least can get you started with a couple reports, and then you can test that, and that will uh, get you on the right path instead of just throwing a bunch of money at something and praying. That's a good point, right? Because yeah, I feel like with SEO, how you mentioned, you basically have to hire someone, and it was always like a minimum, you know, three months or six months because you couldn't see results in one. So you'd essentially have to start paying them, and then just. And then whatever happens in the next six months, you'd say, well, it must have been them because they're the ones I'm paying. But, you didn't re- but like Google could have changed the algorithm at the same time and you could have gone up or down that you, and you would have done it anyway. So it's pretty much you were just guessing. But at least this, you get back a report. And then you could even just, you can look at the data yourself, right? And say, okay, they told me these two campaigns are, you know, the dogs and we should take them up if we <laughs> get rid of them. At least then you can look at that data um, and say, are they really? And say, oh, they're right. They did find a couple, you know, dogs in our campaigns. That works. And then we can expand from there. So I like that model of being able to, you know, actually like experiment with this test to see if you like them. And you could probably get it back pretty quick. And it sounds like those little you said, um, was it nine ninety nine sort of thing? You can probably have some canned reports you can kind of run against, I'm guessing like Google Analytics. So it's stuff that you could probably do pretty quick and have like a small engagement, quick return, see if it works. And if you, if you realize, Oh, you know, we spent a thousand and you know, now all of a sudden we can free up, you know, several thousand a month in marketing spend. Great. Let's double down and try this again and figure out, you know, maybe pull in more data sources and connect that. So that's kind of how people are doing it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's great that you can kind of just dig in, pick one point, test and experiment with that. And it's funny. And that's, that's the same stuff that the vendor is doing on the other side that we do. But it's just that, like, for example, these canned reports, these have been refined over like five or six years. You know, Chris has gone through seven or eight different models and discarded stuff that doesn't work and, and work. And so, yeah, just by throwing down a few bucks, you can run some of these tests on established models without having to build them yourself. And, yeah, that's the kind of the real value in getting running. Um, so that's the thing with using a consultant, right? So they've done this. They've ran it against X number of data sets already and they said okay this stuff does like you've refined it so now when you run the report you're not just um you know <laughs> when you go into google analytics and you're like hey create a new report and you see all this data and you're like uh, okay and you add like two columns <laughs> and just slowly like wander back and like i don't uh, i don't know what to do this you've yeah right well it, done it already. all these projects all these projects it's always the same you know you go in and with your questions and they always generate more questions, you know, that you may get a couple answers, but they always generate more questions. And, and yeah, and it's just like, you know, you would never build your own email marketing automation system. You'd never build your own CRM. You know, it's just, you deal with somebody who's taken the lumps for a couple of years and, uh, you know, and go that if it's not your core business, you know, don't spend a ton of time doing it. I mean, you need to spend enough time so that you understand what the results are going to be and how it works. But yeah, let somebody else take the beating on the learning curve. Got it. Okay. I think that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it kind of starts giving a path to how you can almost like dip your toe in the water, right? Because when you start talking, bigger picture, like the ultimate goal, pulling in a hundred different data sources of, you know, weather data and commodities data and shipping data, it sounds great, but it gets a little overwhelming, but just saying we can just, we have some reports and we found they worked for a hundred other e-commerce sites, uh, e-commerce sites. Let's apply the same um, algorithm to your site, see what comes back. That sounds more approachable, right? And you can start saying, okay, I could, you know, I could run that and just 
Maybe something comes back, maybe it doesn't, but at least it's you can test it. And then if that works, then expand and pull in your, you know, <laughs> this the soybean data and the weather data, that sort of thing, <laughs> and see how that applies to <laughs> your Facebook ads. Um, and maybe it does. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And it's you, there's it could be any kind of crazy relationships between the data, but it, yeah, you know, if it was. Um, you know, if you had a budget of millions and you were going to throw some money at, that's fine. But for most people, it's a matter of, yeah, you know, I need to be able to spend a couple grand and show some kind of return from that. And, you know, if that works great, but, um, having something quick cycle, quick results, you can test it and verify that just makes it easier to jump on board. Very cool. I like that a lot. So people want to find you kind of learn more about you, um, or check out the podcast. What can they do? So. Yeah, sure. Marketingovercoffee.com is the podcast. Uh, Trustinsights.ai is uh, the website for our data science consultancy. We light up dark data. That's our our tagline. And uh, yeah, and I'm on Twitter at John J. Wall. Feel free to give me a yell. Awesome, John. Thank you very much for coming on today. Thanks, Charles. I appreciate it.